welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I am your host, Tim Barron, and this is the show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing to help you get more leads and clients. In today's episode, our guest is Nicole Black, lawyer, author, blogger, extraordinaire, and she's also the tech evangelist for MyCase. Uh, she's here to chat about social media with a focus on ethics rules and technology. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and your law firm? If so, go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with a blueprint to produce the results you want. Hi, Nikki, and welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. It's really awesome to have you on here. Thanks for asking me to participate. Looking forward to it. All right. So, you know, Nikki, I was looking at the introduction that I have for you, and just reading it is so exhausting because you do so much. So, Nikki is based in Rochester. Uh, she's an attorney. She's a legal technology evangelist with my case, which is a legal practice management software for solos and small firms. And Nikki has been blogging since 2005, and she frequently, frequently speaks about legal technology at venues across the country. And I should emphasize frequently, Nikki, you speak a lot. Every time I look up, you're speaking in another city. So, uh, not to some people, but. <laughs> I'm not sure who you're comparing yourself to, but it's a lot. Um, so Nikki writes a column for the Daily Record, um, and she's been writing that column since 2007, and is the author of Cloud Computing for Lawyers, also the co-author of Social Media for Lawyers, which is what we'll be talking about in this episode, um, episode Social Media. Uh, and Nikki also co-authors, as if that's not enough, Criminal Law in New York. And Nikki, that's, I don't know if you know this, but at the turn of the century, can I, I can't believe I said that, but at the turn of the century, you, um, I was a, uh, the director of a law library at Anderson Kill Law Firm, and uh, your treatise uh, was in our, on our shelves. And I remember uh, we used to have filing services back then. I don't know if you remember those days. Right. And uh, we'd, we'd bring out uh, Criminal Law in New York, put it on a desk, and says, hey, that's Nikki Black, the author. But well, I didn't say that, but I remember. <laughs> but I remember you being there. But hey, Nikki, it's so great to have you on here. We've known each other for a while. And we, um, uh, I think I, I was looking on Twitter the other day, and you, you're closing in on 50,000 tweets. So I, I really don't know. And I know you cook every day. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more <laughs> about, about some of your hobbies as we go along. But, um, but it's awesome to have you on here. And I know you wrote... Uh, an article recently about the New York State Bar Association guidelines. Uh, I think they updated their social media guidelines, and I know it's a huge document. So could you give, give us a little bit of an overview? Right, for sure. I, and you know, that's why I think that the um, commercial and federal litigation section of the New York State Bar initially released these guidelines. You know, it's this concept that, they want to get all of the ethical information in one place, they, but they also expand upon it a bit with recommendations and, <clears throat> and they include other states' information. So it sort of has become a, a good resource that just summarizes what's being done across the country in regard to lawyers using social media, both 
for marketing and in their practices for litigation purposes. Um, and then they just recently updated it to add some new developments. Um, it is a really long document, um, and I have my own opinions on whether that's actually necessary, but they do a really good job of pulling it all together in one place, and it's a really valuable tool. I was just on the um, in New York City um, and on the panel with a, lo a lot of people that prepare these guidelines, and I you know, spoke to, uh, it was a CLE on the new guidelines, so I just spoke about them as well. So I'm pretty familiar with what's going on with them. So with those guidelines, with the updated guidelines, what are some of the, the highlights of what the New York State Bar Association deemed um, necessary to even like update their guidelines? Well, so they um, included, um, and this is particularly important, both in terms of using social media and technology in general, an update on attorney competence and this idea that 27 states have adopted some duty of technology competence requiring lawyers to understand and use technology in order to provide adequate representation to their clients. And Florida has even required technology three credits. Um, I think it's biannually down there. But lawyers have to take three um, CLE credits for technology. And I think that's going to start happening more and more often across the country, especially in light of the ABA's new ethics uh, opinion 477 on lawyer communication and email that just was handed down last month. So I think it's going to increasingly be, require lawyers to understand technology and make educated decisions about whether to use it and that includes social media so that was one of the things that they added this attorney attorney competence technology competence concept I, um, yeah, go ahead. Ahead. No, go ahead. so i remember when that that uh, opinion came down in florida my goodness the the twitter lit up with every technology legal technologist yeah um and uh and those who support or um, or teach uh, technology offer CLEs and stuff like that for lawyers. I think it's great. It's, um, it's, it's something that's really needed certainly today a lot more than when these rules were first promulgated. Right. And I mean, I think it's really hard for lawyers. I'm a member of the solo small section of the Monroe County Bar Association, the local bar station where I live. And, you know, there, it's a big stressor for solo and small firm attorneys in particular, this idea of in, on top of representing their clients and maintaining um, competence in their practice areas and taking CLEs on all of that and trying to figure out how to run their businesses, which is something that law school didn't teach them, then they have to have this technology competence. And for a lot of them, it's really overwhelming and I, I feel for them. But I think in this day and age, you know, you've got to find ways to educate yourselves about technology. And if you aren't doing it, if you don't understand social media and you're a litigator, um, and oftentimes you're committing malpractice if you're not using social media to mine for evidence or research jurors. And so I totally understand the pain points and I know how difficult it is for these solo and small firm attorneys, but it's really so important to be on top of these changes. Right, absolutely. So I do want to put a pin in that the whole idea of mining social media and jurors um, and come back to that a little bit later. But for attorneys, you mentioned earlier that there are 27, I guess, or 28 jurisdictions or states that said that has some sort of uh, ethics rules on attorneys use of social media but what well, about that's those on, that's on um, technology competence I think I would say the vast majority of them have said something about social media ethics at some point Gaia oh, okay okay so whether marketing purposes or otherwise like what's the best rule of thumb if there isn't an ethics opinion in a jurisdiction for attorneys so if it's a specific issue that your jurisdiction hasn't 
provided any ethical guidance on and you're considering interacting online for marketing purposes or otherwise, <clears throat> the best rule of thumb that I, I think people can go by is, you know, the online is simply an extension of the offline. So online behavior often has equivalent or analogous behavior offline. And so you, you know, you consider would I be able to do this offline? And if you wouldn't be able to post um, an ad in the yellow pages or a billboard that says a certain thing without including this is attorney advertising, um, when it's clearly blatant attorney advertising and not educational or informational, we're going to do the same thing online. It's probably attorney advertising and you need to include those disclaimers that you would have to include offline. So every so often online, there is no, it's difficult to find those analogous offline um, uh, situations, but usually you can find something that's similar that gives you some guidance. So, so Nikki, for law firm marketers, so I know that attorneys in each state they pour over these ethical guidelines um, around technology and around social media and around marketing in general. And so they, they sort of know for legal marketers who are, let's say, in a large law firm and they're having to um, let attorneys know or um, a, a certain marketing campaign or a certain social media effort, uh, how do they go about finding, because I know there's the ABA rules and then there are state rules, how do they go about determining which apply and how to um, let attorneys know how to, how to do social media? One thing that's often said online by people that sort of police lawyer marketing, other attorneys who police other lawyers marketing is you can't outsource your ethics. So the ethical obligations are the lawyers. The lawyer has the ethical obligation. The lawyer is the one that has to comply with these ethical obligations. And I really would suggest that it's the lawyer's job to sort of inform their legal marketing um, uh person or group that they're using, uh, you know, what the ethical obligations that they have are and how the marketing has to comply. And then the lawyer has to review what they're proposing be done and make sure that it complies with the ethics. And if it doesn't, what does a lawyer need to do to make that market marketing that's proposed ethically compliant? So does it need a disclaimer? Does some of the language need to be changed to remove uh, um, reference to a specialization if that's not allowed in that particular jurisdiction? So I think that certainly the legal marketers need to have an understanding generally of what can and can't be done in different jurisdictions. And oftentimes it's similar across jurisdictions, but at the end of the day, it's the lawyer's obligation to make sure that the marketing that's being proposed is ethical before it actually gets published or done, you know, before the campaign begins online. That's great advice. I could see that advice being used in meetings for with that, that marketers may have with their attorneys at law firms that instead of it being a one way training, it's a back and forth conversation. Right. And I, and I really love what you said about, I mean, the thing that could really guide this um, is think about, you know, using social media or think or, or, or advertising online or whatever it is that you do engaging online um, as what you do offline and just apply the same principles. Right. That other thing that I say is, you know, the online is an extension of the offline and the medium doesn't change the message. So right. if the message is, unethical offline or if the message requires certain disclaimers offline, it's going to require it online as well. So I want to go back to uh, that's something that you touched on earlier. And in addition to using social media for marketing and having 
to be cognizant or aware of the ethical guidelines um, as you use social media. Um, I know that there are other ways that certainly startups, a friend of mine actually started, um, is working recently at a startup that mines uh, social media to judge or to um, review potential jurors. And uh, how do you feel like, what's the general consensus are out there about how, um, how some of these companies are using uh, these sort of data mining um, tactics in social media? Well, I think, I mean, that, that, it, that's the part of social media that interests me the most these days is lawyers using it to actually represent their clients rather than marketing purposes. Marketing purposes is certainly really important. And um, it's one of the best ways for lawyers to um, get word of their services out there and to reach potential clients is marketing online using social media tools and otherwise. But what I just find particularly intellectually interesting is the um, lawyers using it, the litigation attorneys using it to mine social media for evidence and to research jurors. And um, in recent years, there've been a bunch of different opinions handed down on both of those issues. And generally speaking, when it comes to mining social media for evidence, the different jurisdictions have said that when the party's represented by an attorney, um, you cannot, you, anything that's publicly viewable, you don't have to be contacted with the person, regardless of whether they're represented by an attorney or not, that's a free for all when you're research, um, mining social media for evidence. But then once it comes to actually having to make a connection, a, f a friend request or um, some other sort of connection on a different platform to see what's behind that privacy wall, the vast majority of jurisdictions have said that lawyers, when initiating that friend request, whether they initiate it or whether a paralegal or some other agent initiates it, they have to let that person they're trying to connect with know that I'm connecting with you because I want to see what's behind, your, behind the privacy walls in your account for purposes of this specific litigation. And the different jurisdictions have some require more um, dis disclosure of information than others. But at the end of the day, they say that you have to let them know it's for purposes of litigation because otherwise you're being um, uh, somewhat deceitful. You know, you need to make sure that you're um, not being misleading when you do that. Some, there are some minority jurisdictions that in certain situations say that you don't actually have to disclose that information, but the vast majority of jurisdictions said you do have to. And then the other one is mining uh, researching jurors on social media, and that's also really interesting to me. Um, the American Bar and a few other jurisdictions have come down on one side on that, and the New York State Bar and some of the county ethics commissions have come down on the other side. Basically, they all say anything that's publicly viewable is okay. Anything behind a privacy wall is not, so you can't connect with jurors because that's, a mis uh, that's communication that's not permitted. But then where they diverge is... Um, LinkedIn has passive notifications if you view a profile under certain circumstances. And the ABA says those passive notifications, um, and let me make sure that I've got this correct here and I'm not doing it backwards, um, that are not a communication. And New York says they are a communication. So the ABA and a few other jurisdictions have said those LinkedIn passive notifications are not a communication, but in New York it is, and you need to take some steps to anonymize your LinkedIn profile before you look at jurors profile so that they don't get that notification. So those are just two things that I find particularly intellectually interesting about social media that are a little bit off the beaten path in terms of marketing, but I think it's a really interesting trend that's happening out there. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. So I would wager a guess that with that, um, with some of the rules for uh, lawyers 
attempting to connect with people um, and saying, the reason I'm connecting with you is so that we can mine your data for litigation. I would assume that there's a hundred percent non-compliant. <laughs> right. Well, or else you just don't even bother because who's gonna who's gonna connect with you at that point? Oh, no, wow. of course, of course. That that wow. That <laughs> defeats the purpose, right? <laughs> right. It defeats the purpose, but at the same time, it makes us as consumers of social media a little bit breathe a little bit easier. So that one of the things I tell people, I, I know some friends, like for instance, in Facebook, they go chatting back and forth. They have these private groups. And the stuff that they discuss is just mind-boggling. Right. And, and it, it's and one of the things I tell them. I said, look, that might be discoverable, but I guess for right now, it's not yet. Well, I mean, it depends because then there are all these other complicated issues that come in. It's certainly discoverable. The issue is... Um, depending on the relevance to a litigation. So you can certainly request it in discovery or issue subpoenas, but what lawyers are trying to do is get that information outside of that process. And typically you can't friend somebody without explaining why you're trying to look behind that wall. But then the other complicated issues that really come up that are really interesting when I speak about this is lawyers say, well, what if my client has a friend who is already friends with that person and will provide that information? So it wasn't that the lawyer said, go and ask your friends to friend this person. Now that litigation's pending, they had this pre-existing friendship and they're willing to hand over the information behind that privacy wall. So the lawyer doesn't have to connect or, you know, someone, an agent of the lawyer doesn't have to connect uh, a friend who's on, you know, on the side of this, of your client is willing to just hand this information over because they're already friends with that person. on social. Sure. sure. So those are all situations that really haven't been addressed that are sort of, that are up in the air. So, so all sorts of situations like that. Wow. So you know what? So this is fascinating because this conversation has gone not just um, about, covers not just attorneys or lawyers' use of social media, but how we as consumers should be aware of what's possible um, in litigation and how we need to be, I would say, like, don't post anything that you don't want to see in a deposition. Right. Right. That <laughs> dance like no one's watching, but email like it will one day be read in a deposition. That was like a meme that was circulating, but it's true, you know. Absolutely. There was just a case I wrote about for the Daily Record that'll get published on Monday about a judge in California who, on a county bar association's private Facebook page, only for members of the bar, posted something about an attorney, and he ended up getting disciplined because of what he said about this attorney. And it was in relation to a judicial race and. He and the attorney were both being super snarky, but he's held to different standards than the attorney because he's a judge. So and that was within the context of a private Facebook group too. So, you know, you got to be careful. You got to be, I mean, that's a bottom line. You have to be careful. Yeah. Well, I think so far, this is some really useful information because it allows us to be on the one hand as attorneys um, using the platform um, to be a little bit um, at ease with how you use a platform because as you said just think about how you use it offline and then apply those same, same principles online but on the other end is how else the uh, social media platforms are being used like you said for that data mining in um, in jury trials and in, uh, in for other means um, if there is one takeaway that you could leave for our audience, um, what would that be? Well, I would just reiterate what I'd already said, which is the online is an extension of the offline and the medium doesn't change the message. And so 
when, and, and when in doubt, err on the side of caution, right? You don't want to be that test case that um, ends up being the subject matter of a disciplinary action. So err on the side of caution and use common sense when you're, for whatever purpose you're interacting online. You've got to make sure to use common sense. Absolutely. And, you know, just one last thing. Um, I think, and this is, this is not necessarily uh, related to what you should post, um, because I think the more platforms people use, the more overwhelmed uh, they get or the more, the, the, the more they're like, oh my gosh, I have to think about using this platform and what it means, the privacy settings and all those kinds of things. In, in terms of just using social media in general um, for lawyers and law firm marketers out there, um, should they be everywhere? Should they be on Instagram and Facebook? Or um, do you recommend just picking like a few and going deep? Well, I, I think that when it comes to using social media, you've got to figure out what your goals are first and foremost. And that's sort of what we emphasize in the Carolyn Elephant and I do in our book about social media for lawyers. And then you need to carefully choose the platforms you want to interact on. And you may want to start with one, learn the ins and outs of that platform um, and then interact on it in ways that are going to help you achieve those goals you initially set. So you always keep those goals in mind, choose the platforms with those goals in mind and interact with those goals in mind once you've really learned the ins and outs of that particular platform. Great advice. Great advice. Um, so Nikki, where can folks reach you if they want to get in touch with you? Well, I am on Twitter uh, at Nikki Black, N-I-K-I-B-L-A-C-K. And um, I, you can reach me um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well, and I, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, which is Nikki Black also. And, um, well, it's LinkedIn backslash Nikki Black. There's like a LinkedIn um, URL when you're trying to find people. Um, I'm, again, I'm with MyCase, so MyCase.com. And if you really want to dive into my online resume, if you will, Law Tech Talk, um, L-A-W-T-E, cktalk.com um, is sort of the website where I um, sort of it's like my online resume and that type of thing. So you can get a lot of information about me there. And um, so I, you know, the, the, I think the answer to the question that I posed would be, how can people find you? It's just a one word answer. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. Hey, Nikki, thank you so much. Um, for being on our podcast. I've had a great time chatting with you. Thanks for asking me. It was great to uh, be here. Thank you. Awesome. Before you go, if you liked this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes we have coming up. And we have a slate of some awesome guests, uh, so you don't want to miss that. We are on iTunes. We're also on SunCloud. And you'll find show notes for this episode and all of the episodes um, of our podcast at gettobesocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.